Hey, Elwood City Limits listeners, and welcome once again to the 15th installment of this particular part of our release schedule. It's the Episodic Arthur Podcast. My name's Will Young. It's time for us to recap our thoughts on Arthur Season 15. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, we're going to hear Lucas's thoughts about the season and his top five episode ranking in just a little bit. But before we get to that, I'm once again very grateful that we were able to get this far. I always am. This always affords me a little bit of a look back, not just at the season that was of Arthur, but also um, just where we are in terms of the show. And I'm recording this on a snowy January midday. By the time you're hearing this, it may be February already. Um, but it's another reminder. I had. I think you heard my thought process on the previous ECL episode of like, how long have we been doing this? Six and a half. So we're going on seven years. And of course, as I said plenty of times in the last episode, we are in a change. This is a big change for Arthur and probably for our show as well in terms of we're leaving traditionally animated behind. We're going into the Flash era. This has been something that people have been talking to us about, asking us about for years. Um, So now it's time for us to look back at traditional animation, at season 15 itself, and more. Of course, you may have heard this a week earlier and without ads on patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. I want to thank all of our patrons, so I'll take a moment here and go down the list. Uh, Thanking people such as John Griswold, and I put a little X next to the name. Thank you to Joe Sue. Thank you to Shayna Bennett and William Moore. Thank you very much to Nicholas DeMarco. Thank you to JHC and Vinny Cataldo. Thank you to Alex K., Joe Loflo, and Jay Wags. Thank you to Jeffrey Norris and to Rory Forever. And thank you to Wolf Lover Zodiac, Grace Cole, and to Dante B. And of course, to everybody. Really appreciate you supporting us on Patreon. Most recently on the uh, Patreon feed, we had our ECL Origins episode of Yvonne of the Yukon. That's been a show that we have been taunting each other with, teasing each other about, and wishing we could forget for the six and a half years we've been doing this, and we finally have a platform to talk about it long form. What was it like? Well, if you're a patron, check out the episode if you haven't. If you're on the free feed, keep listening after we're finished with the recap, and I'm going to include a little extended preview of that ECL Origins episode. And then if you want the whole thing, patreon.com slash Limits. It's pay what you want, so support however you feel. And uh, we appreciate it all the same. You can join in with us on Discord, get access to early episodes of the show, uh, exclusive episodes of our side series, and more. So, Season 15. As always, I like to give Lucas a a shot to start here. So, I'm going to cut over to him. We're going to go to a quick ad break if you're on the free feed. And then we're going to come back to me. I'm going to give my thoughts and my top five episodes of the season. And then also, if you're on the free feed, the preview will be coming after that. All right, let's go over to Lucas and see what he has to say. Hey, 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 everybody. It's Lucas. 
coming at you uh, with my top Arthur episodes of season 15. I say it every every time we do this, folks. What a season. What a season. Um, hard to believe that uh, we are saying goodbye to the traditional non-Flash animation. Um, and I am both kind of dreading it a little bit. But I'm also excited because you know what? We've been dreading this for so long. It's time to dive headfirst into this new era of Arthur. And I think it's going to spark a lot of good conversation. So I hope you guys stick around for the ride. But without further ado, here are my top five of season 15. Coming in at number five, it's Muffy's Classy Classics Club. Um, I loved all the book parody stuff. I think it's a really solid Muffy episode. Um, going back and, and you know, we've really spread out season 15 over, a, a, I feel like, a longer period of time than me and Will usually get the episodes down in. So part of the reason that I'm listing these five is that they stick in my head more. And uh, the creepy doll dream sequences from this episode... I remember just being kind of visually striking, and I think all the comedy is really good in this episode. Uh, number four, Grandpa Dave's Memory Album. I might get uh, some flack for not putting this one higher, but I think it's a little melancholy, um, given that this is going to be our final Grandpa Dave appearance. Um, and there is a much better Grandpa Dave uh, episode out there, which is, of course, Grandpa Dave's Old Country Farm. Uh, not to discredit this episode, though, this is a great episode in its own right, uh, about as straightforward as Arthur gets, but it's also um, kind of as serious as Arthur gets. And it, it, it walks that tightrope uh, with some grace, um, very good, classy, serious episode about Alzheimer's and, and aging. Um, that is delivered with the amount of um, sort of gravity you would want the subject to be delivered with, but it's still a kid's show, so there's some lightness in there as well. Um, a must-see episode from this season had to be on the list. Next is 15, which I had forgotten about, the season opener. A two-parter, and I, I I think I liked this episode way more than Will. I kind of loved this episode. Sprawling George episode. Uh, which I looking listening back to my uh, original comments on it, I described as Paul Thomas Anderson esque, which is high praise for me because I love those movies. Great multiple elements with uh, George on the quiz uh, competition, um, as well as the crazy subplot of the cats trying to kill all of the imaginary friends. Um, we get introduced to Wormy or Mr. Worm, Dr. Worm, whatever that guy's name is. Um, it earns being a two-parter, and it's a great example of when um, Arthur utilizes the two-parter runtime, the extended runtime, to the fullest. Number two is Buster the Lounge Lizard. No, it is not a uh, Leisure Suit Larry reference. Uh, it's a heist episode. It's Binky and Buster going on a heist into the teacher's lounge. Um, and revisiting my old remarks, it is reminiscent of old Arthur. Not only that, but reminiscent of old late 80s, early 90s media. Um, you know, what are those teachers getting up to? Has a great kind of magical realism ending that I was a big fan of, and it's it's my favorite characters. It's Buster and Binky. Uh, there's not much more you can ask for. And number one, I was kind of surprised for this to be my number one, but I really loved it. To Eat or Not to Eat. Um, a great... Arthur mystery. Often when Arthur does mysteries, which is quite frequently, you know, they always have their detective characters. Um, you could kind of see where it's going from a mile away. And I guarantee it, you are not going to see exactly where this one's going. You might be like, oh, I bet this this candy that everybody's really into uh, is not up to snuff. There's something fishy going on. But I guarantee you won't figure out uh, what exactly is going on here. 
Um, great noir, great fun little mystery that goes, as I said, some really wild places. And of all the episodes, as I returned to the list of episodes of season 15, it's the one that stuck out in my head the most. So that are, those are rather my favorite episodes of season 15. Can't wait to get in here. Uh, can't wait to get into the flash era to be perfectly honest with you and to see what changes about Arthur. And I can't wait to hear what Will has to say as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, and most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now back to the show. Thanks, Lucas. Okay, my turn. Season 15 was a, felt like a good way to end off what to me feels like our era of the show, seasons 1 to 15. Now, I would be a lot more um, granular with what I consider to be my era. And yes, I know I talk about this all the time. You know, seasons 1 to, looking at the dates here, probably like 1 to 7 or 1 to 8 would be when I was like primarily watching the show. You can, I'm sure that I said on the show whenever in the timeline when I would have stopped watching Arthur. But in broad, I feel like that's when I was really at the peak of my Arthur fandom. And for Lucas, it goes from, I mean, he's seen the original seasons, of course, but probably a little bit farther than me because he's a few years younger than me. But it always still felt familiar to us because of traditional animation. Now, around season, I want to say 12, was when they started to use a different animation style. And I'll be honest, the last few seasons have felt a little weird and I've mentioned here and there like some animation looking not as great as it did and to be honest I have to like I have to give them credit first of all like it's still recognizably the show like it still looks as it did it's just even a little cleaner 
uh, in terms of the more uh, glossy digital techniques that they use and the upscale to 1080 HI. And the upscaling will continue into next season. I've already been doing research for it. There's some interesting stuff I can't wait to talk about. Um, but Arthur, I mean, you look back at the original seasons, and it's a little unfair because those still look good by today's standards, I feel. Like, you, you can still see the seams, but it's different than going back to, like, I don't know, a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the 80s or 90s. I mean, like, ugh, this is, this is cheap looking. Or, you know, another cheap production. The old Arthur seasons do not look cheap, and I believe they were actually quite expensive. So I can imagine that that's not entirely feasible, especially for a public television show. I don't begrudge any of the changes being made on like a financial level. It purely has to do with just how I feel as a fan, and it's just like, you know, it is what it is. And especially now that Arthur's over, it truly was what it was. So we will just uh, deal with our feelings as they come up, be honest about them, but also try to be fair. So this was the last traditionally animated ep- uh, season of the show, and as I said, you know, it doesn't look as good as the pre- as like some of the early, early seasons, but that's okay. And as I said, I took one last longing look at the old Arthur intro where you can practically see the pencil lines and all of the old school techniques that are have gone by the wayside a little bit. So I made sure to take one last look as we finished off season 15 and enter into the Flash era, which certainly has its uh, detractors for sure, probably some defenders out there, but I don't know if we've met as many. Season 15, I think, was pretty, pretty solid, and I'm, and I'm happy to say that because as much as Arthur's animation style changes, a lot of its charm is that... It's the way that it tells stories doesn't change a whole lot. Obviously, it modernizes as we go along. We're going to be getting into probably, you know, iPhones at some point or like iPhone equivalents. The technology is changing. The language is changing slightly, but it's all still Arthur at the heart. And that's what I'm most hoping for when we get into the Flash animation seasons. We get into a new production house. I'm hoping that very much stays the same. Now, I will say that there were elements of this season I was not crazy about. Uh, you know, the dog and baby episode, uh, episodes, the dog and baby inclusion was not great. There were a couple of dud episodes here and there, but again, I'm not going to begrudge at that because I feel that there were a lot of the quality overall of this season was actually pretty good, especially compared to some of the ones are, are immediately around it. So, uh, you know, it's not my favorite season necessarily. It's hard to beat the early ones because those are the ones I grew up with. But there's still a lot here. And especially going forward, uh, ending as the season did, it really feels like, okay, we can still, like, we can still do this. We're starting to enter into a period, I've been looking up on um, on forums as I've been uh, researching the switch to Flash, and there's a lot of people who, in 2012, were like, Arthur's still on the air? Because they had long outgrown it. You know, by the time I'm watching this new season, uh, or rather, by the time the season we're about to get into is airing, I'm leaving university and getting into my second degree. I haven't thought about Arthur in a very long time. So that's a pretty common reaction for people who are around my age at the time. I'm just like, this is still on? I'm like, yeah, and actually, it's still pretty good. It's probably one of the better shows on PBS Kids, I'm willing to bet. So, hoping it stays that way. Okay, top five episodes of the season. Uh, Some of the lower ones, uh, I had a little bit of trouble ordering. So, uh, here is uh, what I feel upon reflection of what we looked at. Number five is, what's in a name? And I put this here, 
I think that Lucas and I were not as high on the back half of this episode because we're talking about Binky and where he gets his original name from. But I put this in here for the front half and for the overall message, which I thought was really strong. Binky's name really being Shelly is a big change. It's, it's, a, it's a change that feels big, but it actually doesn't change all that much. So it's pretty safe to do, and it's cool that they did it. Um, and, I, and I like that idea. I like the ending of Binky just being like, I will decide which name to go by as, as it suits me. And I just thought that was something cool and unintentionally relating to something I'm sure a lot of kids are going through uh, in this newer day and age and have been going through for a long time in terms of choosing your identity and understanding what feels good to you. And they did it in a, and they did it in a very, a very cool way. Number four, Buster's Secret Admirer. I don't know. I just kind of like this one. <laughs> uh, Buster is still, there's a lot more to mine with him, thankfully. You know, there's some characters where I'm just like, I don't miss them. Like, we didn't have very much emphasis on brain this season. And I'm just like, I, I'm fine with that. In fact, less brain, more Muffy. And there was a lot of Muffy this season. And actually, they used it quite well. De-emphasized Francine a little bit too, but you know she's she, she's gotten quite a bit of focus. Anyway, Buster still still good for this, and must say, a uh, big reason why this is on the top five is because Molly is a big part of it. Molly is awesome, and fast becoming one of my favorite characters. Uh, but yeah, just uh, Buster hijinks, uh, very funny, and uh, you know Ferns in there, Muffy's in there a little bit. I just I have good memories about this one. I'm a little surprised, actually, at where I ranked number three, which is Through the Looking Glasses. I expected this one to not be very good at all, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, just the, the I, sometimes you look at these plot summaries and just like, what are they going to do out of that? And then it surprises you. This one was, <laughs> this one was funny. Like, I just, I'm glad when Arthur can still make me laugh, because I'm way outside the target demographic, um, and Arthur could easily get away with, like, you know, kitty humor but it doesn't always do that and it clearly sometimes there's some lines in there or there's some concepts that tickle the fancy of the adult writer's room which I am much closer to myself so Arthur getting new glasses and acting as he should also I appreciate that from an ongoing character standpoint I love that we are still being consistent with how when Arthur gets confident then he turns into a worse person which I kind of relate to in a weird way. So Arthur needs to be checked. <laughs> and he is. He's very much checked. And so Arthur with the new glasses, Buster with his own quote-unquote new glasses. The way it all plays out I just thought was funny. The end, the very end of Toadie having the glasses is like, eh. But, you know, it's I, I still quote more fun with this than I thought I would. Number two is to eat or not to eat. Again, another Buster episode, and surprising, like, in terms of, I don't think Arthur's ever been one to shy away from, like, social issues, and certainly as we continue to go along, there are some episodes I'm thinking of that are very blatantly about social issues of the time, for the better, I think, and this is something that is actually quite smart in the way that it speaks to children. I'm a little wary sometimes about shows that are like, it doesn't talk down to kids. I'm just like, well, sometimes, like, every show for kids is going to kind of take an easy out. 
a season of television, there's a lot you have to write, and sometimes you just have to go with kitty stuff, which is why we have some of the dog and baby episodes or the episodes with a more simplistic moral. This one isn't as simplistic. In fact, it's kind of going against what a kid wants to hear because it's about how a chocolate bar is actually, like, meant to be addictive. It's this hinting at this sinister underbelly that I think may even be a little hard for some kids to understand but it's something we all have to learn at some point, and it's becoming even. I think maybe it's just because I'm aging, but it's becoming even more and more um, prevalent and easier to see when you just realize that, like, oh, this practice is rotten from the core and always has been. Fill in the blank for what you think I may be <laughs> referencing, but by putting it to a chocolate bar, and it's it's not simply like don't eat chocolate bars, eat healthy instead. It's like no, actually. Have an interest and a curiosity in what goes into the food that you eat, which I think is great. I think that's a wonderful thing to teach children and uh, and to teach some adults, too. <laughs> I think that's it has a uh, there's never a bad time to start learning about what you put in your body. And this was a neat way to do it. And with a character that makes it fun. It doesn't feel like a lecture. It doesn't feel like, you know, if it was Sue Ellen doing it, like in the Chicken Lickin' episode many seasons back, it can, it has the risk, it runs the risk of being a bit preachy. This one, this one wasn't. I think this was kind of turning it into a bit of a mystery and using Buster's more out there elements of his character uh, made this a lot more interesting and I think uh, served the message quite well. I'm sure you all could guess what was going to be at least my number one which is Grandpa Dave's memory album. And as I said in the episode that we talked about, our previous ECL episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, um, this I would consider to be an all-time great. And it affirmed again that Arthur still has it. For the last couple of seasons, it's been like, when are we going to get an episode that feels like an all-time great one? Like one that would stand up to every single one that from the early seasons that Lucas and I have put on a pedestal. And I think this one deserves it, especially because, uh, well, first of all, PBS has made, you know, documents out of this. They've turned this episode into a learning experience, an opportunity to teach um, to children. And that's that's amazing. I think that's so cool that they were able to do that. And it's something that not every show would think to tackle, or even needs to, but I think they had a really unique ability with the Grandpa Dave character to be able to speak about this in a way that was confident, assuring, and used a light touch, which I which I said in the previous episode. So I, I'm sure you've heard this all more recently, so I'll kind of wrap this up by just saying that, and, and again, God bless Joan Rivers' presence in here, it could have turned what would have been a really sad episode into one that was a lot more joyous. And I think that that's really, it's really tempting. You know, I think about, I, I had my little thing in the previous episode where I talked about kids shows trying to appeal to adults. But also with shows aimed at adults, the temptation there, I think, is to really um, become very melodramatic about some of these issues what comes to mind immediately is an adult animated show bojack horseman and i like that show i like that show a lot but i can imagine somebody watching that show and being like geez like especially near the back half of like they sure talk about depression a lot and it can get to be a lot and it's kind of the other end of the coin 
of like, oh man, this is like this is this is heavy and not really um, making progress towards a point of what we're supposed to exactly get out of the fact that a character like Bojack Horseman is super depressed and hates himself. This was a light touch that I think all animation could learn from, all storytelling could learn from, in that you don't have to make it, you don't have to make it a tragedy or something that's super sad. You can acknowledge those elements, but by putting a positive spin on it, I think that that's going to be something that especially younger members of the audience will take away and hopefully apply to their own life. And that is, I'm sure, what they were going for, and it feels like they accomplished that. It's hard for me to say because I only saw this in my 30s. I never saw this when I was younger. This would have this would have been airing when I was like 22, probably 21. So, I yeah, I really just think this is an Arthur episode that should be talked about more. It should be celebrated. It's a bit too bad that it's kind of after the quote-unquote peak of Arthur. It's kind of buried at the end of season 15 because this one should be talked about with the all-time greats. And I will at least do my part in trying to do that. So, number one, Grandpa Dave's memory album, As If You Couldn't Guess. So thank you for listening to both of our Season 15 recaps. Of course, on the next episode of Elwood City Limits, that will be the first episode of Season 16. I've been doing research for this right before this recording. Uh, I have a lot to talk about, and um, I'm excited to kind of break this down with Lucas. We've got... A lot of new changes on Arthur that we're going to be getting used to and putting in context. The episode that we're going to be watching is, of course, first episode of season 16. It's called Based on a True Story. And thank you so much for supporting us, supporting us through 15 seasons. Whether you have been financially supporting us on Patreon, just kicking a buck and saying thank you. Whether you've been sharing the show with friends, which is always a great way for us to help grow our audience. And... Just giving us your honest feedback on Arthur, the show itself, on Elwood City Limits, the show itself. Always appreciated. You can always email us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can send us messages on social media. Uh, you know, I'll be upfront. I run the social media primarily, so you're mostly going to be talking to me, but I enjoy doing that. So uh, please do. But you can also feel free to uh, send something to Lucas, and I can send it his way, too. And otherwise, that's going to do it for the Season 15 recap. So if you're listening on the Patreon, thank you very much for supporting us. And check out the new episode of ECL Origins. It should be in your feed by now. Uh, I'm sh- I-, I think we had a lot of fun. And if you're on the free feed, stay right here, because we're going to have a... A bit of an extended preview of the Yvonne of the Yukon episode of ECL Origins. So, no matter what, thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you for listening. Uh, For Lucas Mancini, my name is Will Young. That's our Season 15 recap here on Elwood City Limits. We'll see you next time. Let's round out talking about the theme song. So the so yes. the episode actually like it has a cold open and then it goes into the theme song. But you know, we already kind of started talking about it. It is just the summation of 
how Yvonne got to the Yukon. And it's a very catchy theme song. Like, it's, it's, it's memorable, <laughs> if nothing else. Um, it also makes use of some very, like, unusual instruments that you wouldn't hear uh, on any other kids' show, simply because of the fact that, like, Yvonne is French. What are some of these instruments? This is a, this is interesting. The, I, I I noticed the theme song is unusual, but I couldn't quite pick my finger down why. So I mean, the main thing is that there's a lot of accordion, and it, I think that's mm. a very like almost stereotypically French instrument. So there's a lot of accordion, and there's like a like a flute or like a pipe, like a pan pipe in the background as well to kind of give some little lilts here and there, which gives that kind of colonial vibe from where Yvonne is coming from. Mm. Just really interesting touches, and we hear that throughout the episode and and the score in the background. Um, it, it, because the accordion and the pipe go crazy on this show at certain times. So, you know, it's it's very... It's it's a little bit talk-singy at times. I couldn't find out who's yes. the singer of this theme song, but it is very... Like, it's he it sings it very well, and it's very catchy, and you know exactly what Yvonne's deal is in a minute flat so it does its job mm-hmm. and uh, uh it's mm-hmm. it's it's very call and response to kind of like the SpongeBob yeah. theme like there's the Yvonne of the Yukon and uh it's it's almost again like the SpongeBob theme it's almost sea shanty yes um you know we have uh there's there's multiple different singers and there's the one baritone guy who's like he defrosted for you went for me yeah um also, some of the imagery of this theme song is just, like, burned in my brain. Like, I feel like I've seen this theme song so much more than I've actually watched the show. And for those of you who are curious, listen, if, if what we've been talking about thus far sounds like your bag, you know, knock yourself out. Personally, I would recommend if you want everything you need to know about Yvonne and the Yukon, you can kind of just watch this theme and save yourself 20 minutes of, like, butt jokes. <laughs> um but, you know, some of these images, like y- Yvonne getting kicked away by the king or... Getting pecked he's by like, vultures. Yes. The, 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 the shot of him getting pecked by vultures and the vultures, like, tearing at his red burnt skin. It's so gross. Like, mm, even as a child. Yeah. Like, his, his weird, like, thin limbs and, like, his skin getting pulled away by the vultures. Um, and then, yeah, of course, that dog peeing on him. Um, Which is only just a, a sousant for things to come. Like, I, I, it's funny. It's the perfect theme song for this show. Totally. Like, it, it, both visually, uh, both uh, instrumentally and musically, uh, everything you need to know, including the anti-French sentiment, everything you need to know about Yvonne of the Yukon uh, is summed up in this theme song. It's it's a perfect cartoon theme song. Credit where credit is due. Also, he plants the French flag and for some reason the Fr- the French tricolor is instead it's like an underwear design. Right. Right. <laughs> um it's it's very um a lot I think one of the biggest compliments we can pay this show in general is that for what it is, it does it very well. Just what it is may not be to most people's likings. Um, something else that we kind of touched on but didn't continue on. So, Lucas, we, you and I both watched this as kids. This is something that we're both coming into history with. Uh, you were mentioning how this is something you and your friends used to watch. You would have been probably, like, what, uh, like seven or eight or something? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. would have been watching this when I was, like, 11 or 12, and I also 
just really liked the show. Like, I watched it all the time. And, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, why? But, of course, it's like, A, because I'm a kid. B, because at the time, watching television was a lot different. Because if you wanted to watch cartoons you in, in Canada, in eastern Canada, you had YTV. Sometimes they were on Fox Kids. It, depending on your cable package, maybe you had Teletoon. And maybe they'd be on CBC once in a while. Or you could go watch PBS. But it's like, if you wanted to watch cartoons at, like, I don't know, 6 o'clock on a Monday... It's Ivana the Yukon or nothing, and <laughs> it is it is very much like it, it definitely appeals to a young boy's sensibilities of what's funny, or at least the kind of stereotype of what's funny to young boys. So let's let's talk about it. This the episode. Well, yeah. well I I just want to say that I you make a good point about the options because I we talked a little bit about this on our SpongeBob episode. Uh, but in Canada, there's such distinct blocks of programming for the different cartoon TV stations. Like, every Canadian knows what is a family channel show, what's a Teletoon show, and what's a YTV show. Mm-hmm. And Yvonne of the Yukon, to an extreme degree, is a YTV show. Like, YTV's whole aesthetic of mm, it's yes, gross, yes. it's nasty, it's for boys... Uh, Yvonne of the Yukon is, you know, that and then... So, I just on a whim here, I searched up YTV May 2001, which is a month after this started airing. And thanks to the YTV Schedule Archives wiki, I have the other shows that would have aired along with Yvonne of the Yukon. So, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna tell... I'm not gonna say all of them here. But I do want to give you a little bit of an idea of, like... So, you're coming home... From school, school ends at like three, three fifteen, three thirty, something like that. You're getting home around like let's say four. So starting at four o'clock on YTV, you've got sticking around. You've got uh oh, Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Pokemon, Digimon, Powerpuff Girls. You've got Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. You've got Dragon Ball Z, Big Wolf on Campus, Freaky Stories, Goosebumps. And, of course, it changes depending on the day and depending on the season. But that's kind of... And then Yvonne of the Yukon is in there as well, depending on the night. So that's that's sort of what the TV landscape looked like for us uh, at the time of this, of this airing. This is the first episode of Yvonne of the Yukon. By the way, if you search up any episode of Yvonne of the Yukon, it is readily available on YouTube for... Legally? Like, I, like it doesn't seem to be an illegal upload of any kind. So, like, go nuts. Uh, the one we watch is called Call of the Mild, Season 1, Episode 1, aired April 28th, 2001. Um, one thing I want to make note of here as we go along in the different segments of the of the episode that we watched, there's two things that I kept track of, Lucas, and I found them both in abundance, and that's gross-out gross out <laughs> moments and adult gags. So gross-out moments meaning the moments that are meant to disgust you and adult gags <laughs> meaning i'm kind of surprised they got away with this on a kid's show yes I, I okay so that was the thing returning to this it almost feels like like an adult cartoon like a simpsons or a family guy a little bit yeah. someone says at some point someone says crap will well, i can't even well, believe that i could i couldn't it, it seemed close enough and there's other instances that I was also very surprised by. So, in the very beginning of the episode, the the cold open is that Tommy, who is a young uh, Inuit boy in the Yukon, he's about you know probably like preteen, 
Uh, he's friends with Yvonne. He receives a Charles Hercules chest expander in the mail. So, like, Charles Atlas kind of thing. It's one of those resistance band pull-apart things. So, our first gross-out moment of the show is that Yvonne is cooking some kind of concoction in a giant cauldron, and then he sneezes into it, whatever he's cooking. Oh, <laughs> oh Lucas, we got so much more to go, man. I know. <laughs> There's so much worse to come. I'm so sorry. Um, so we we talked about Yvonne's design a little bit. How about his accent? It's very it's very very it's very thick, and I actually quite liked listening to it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Just uh, this is like I, I am make I, it's it's you know it's like I am making my famous famous caribou kebabs like okay. as as broad as you can get. It's clearly. Um, the other gross-out moment in this little part here is where Yvonne is trying out this chest expander, and it gets caught in his chest hair, and so Tommy right. has to yank it out, and you see the chest hair come out at, like, the root. Because, <laughs> as, as naturally as we know, French people are all hairy and disgusting. Yes. They're all right. uh, covered in hair and filthy. Uh, the one, the um, one adult gag in this part is that Yvonne references a brassiere. It's not so not not as um, not as bad as it'll get, but he does mention that like the packaging of the chest expander is as complicated as like a brassiere or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But he says it in that French accent, so it's a little hard to parse. 